I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Okay, hello everyone. I am so excited to be resuming after a very long hiatus, Beauty Bosses. Um, we have been kind of on pause for a really long time, almost a year, and I can think of no better person to restart my podcast with than the amazing Ava from Glow with Ava. So Ava is a content creator. She's huge on TikTok and Instagram and all the platforms. Um, she's known for her viral content on skin and wellness, beauty, everything in between. Um, and I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Dr. Reagan. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm happy to break your hiatus on your podcast today. I know. Thanks. I know. I just felt like I was missing the opportunity to talk to so many cool people, and it's fun to have you. So let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your journey in um, becoming Glow with Ava. How did you go from regular Ava to Glow with Ava? That's funny. I guess it kind of goes back to since like the day I was born, I guess. I was born in Korea, but raised in China. Both my parents are Korean, but given the culture, you know, I grew up in Korea and Shanghai, two of the biggest like beauty capitals of the world. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of surrounded by skincare and beauty and good like wellness habits since birth. And, you know, my mom kind of ingrained the importance of doing skincare from like day one. So for example, like wearing sunscreen was more important than brushing your teeth almost, you know? So I think with that background, I kind of took it for granted that everyone around me was kind of obsessed with skincare in a good way. But when I decided that I wanted to come to the U.S. for the first time for college was when I realized, wow, this is a completely different world. It was a little bit of a culture shock in a way where in college, like my friends didn't even know what a moisturizer was. So I think that was when I was secretly influencing in a way where I was telling my friends that this is the best moisturizer. This is what a toner is. This is what a sheet mask is and kind of that way getting over the culture shock and you know becoming friends with my friends in the u.s because at the same time they've never a lot of them have never seen like an asian person because i was in indiana too so that was a way of telling them about my background the k-beauty and that was also before k-beauty became a sensation here so i think that was my entry way to telling people what it was but never ever thought that I knew a lot about skincare, which is like people around me knew a lot about it too. Fast forward, I graduated from college and I decided what should I do? And I went into investment banking because I just wanted the hardest job I could ever get oh my God. in the industry. So I did that for a few years and I went to a hedge fund and then I went to another healthcare private equity fund. And that was where I decided, you know what? I'm gonna take a leap of faith and start glow with Ava but I think with starting anything that drastically different also comes with a fear of am I doing the right thing you know I'm this is like why did I give up such a good career path to do something that was so uncertain 
back then, right? Yeah. Did um, you start Glow with Ava while you were still working in finance? I, I did. I did. And um, was there a moment when you kind of felt like it was paying for itself or monetizing itself enough that it justified being able to quit your job? No, it, I think most people now or even back then would quit only if they could justify the monetary gains. But also, you know, you were in finance. I was making good money back then and I didn't need the extra cash necessarily. And also I think the bigger point is I've only done finance. I don't know how much to charge on Instagram, right? Yeah. I'm doing a job that I don't really like, but it does pay for my lifestyle, my rent and everything in New York. And then versus Instagram, I'm loving it. And the fact that even a skincare brand would even give me a couple of products was so insane to me that I was so grateful. And when they were like, hey, would you be able to post about us in like an in-feed post or something? I was like, yeah, of course. Everything I did was for free. Like everything. What year was that? This was 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea what influencer marketing was. I didn't even know like being an influencer could be something that you could make a career path out of. I was, I feel like I was just in such a, like a little dream of like my finance world, I guess, but I had no idea. And I remember like the first time I ever charged anything, I charged $35 for an Instagram post. And I was like, this is it. I'm taking my like boyfriend (laughs) up to brunch. (laughs) I made it. Brunch is on me, sweetie. $35, $35, I can't really get much in New York. Bagels are on me. Yeah. That was that was it back then. But when I did quit, though, I wasn't monetizing at all. Okay. Um, so that's a very big leap of faith. Very big leap, leap so of faith. So what made you quit? Just like the love of beauty and love skin? Of what and... I, you know, I think like this is so cliche, but trusting your gut and just something in me was like, I think I can make something out of this. Mm-hmm. Because... I just had so much to share from like everything I learned growing up from my mom, my grandma, like just growing up in Asia in general, that it seemed like I was, I had so much knowledge to share and it wasn't like I was gatekeeping, right? I just wanted to let everyone know. And that's also like my approach right now is to marry the best of the East and the West, right? So, you know, not necessarily everything like I did back in Asia would fit into the norms of what we do in the US here, but kind of marrying the best of both cultures in a way is kind of how I like to do it and also taking a very holistic approach so it's not just one skincare product that's going to change your skin but also you know eating certain ingredients into your diet exercising all of that kind of combined into one but I told my mom when I quit and of course she was so proud that I was in you know the best hedge fund in New York City she was so proud and when I told her hey I think I'm going to leave my job she was like what you know she always thought I was going to go to business school get back into being a partner, whatever. And I was putting that all behind. And I told my mom when I quit, hey mom, just give me one year. And within one year, if I can't make half as much as I did in finance, then maybe I'll think of applying to business school or going back to finance. And that was the beauty of it, right? You still have flexibility that even after a few months of trying something that you really wanted, if it doesn't work out, you can go back. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I told my parents, like, and they didn't believe me. They always thought I was going to go back to school or something. And within a year, I made that happen. You did. I so did. you met your goal. I did. And so how did you figure out how to kind of 
monetize a career as a skincare influencer? I, I had to talk to a lot of people because back then I didn't have a manager. I didn't have anyone to help me with any of this stuff. Um, so I kind of like asked a lot of friends in the industry who were like, honestly, like very frank with me. Hey, you have a following of this much. You have an engagement of this much. This is technically how much you should be charging. And so how many of, followers did you have on Instagram and TikTok when you quit? When I quit, I TikTok didn't exist when I quit. Oh yeah, so this was 2019. This was yeah, 20... so this was right before TikTok. Yeah, it was right before TikTok. On Instagram, I think I had uh, less than 50k for sure. Okay. When I quit, um, so it wasn't like I was like big or anything, but just something about me was like, I can make this work. I can grow on Instagram. So this is before I even like knew monetizing on TikTok was like a thing either. Um, but you know, I started charging like according to like that was like the rate like if you have 10k you can charge a hundred dollars 20k 20 that that kind of stuff so yeah. i kind of like went by that and started monetizing little bits here and there and did some photo shoots for brands did some affiliate do some youtube i don't know but like back then like it really wasn't monetizing at all for another year as much but it was just solely focused on growing and like really focusing on connecting to my audience and making them like come with me through this journey and building a loyal audience that was like the biggest part of my journey and i'm really grateful so i think like even right now for newer creators they're saying like how do i monetize how can i make a career out of this um i was lucky enough that i did have some savings to go off of but i think in the beginning i think you should do stuff for free you know like get the brands to trust you, build a really good relationship with brands that you truly love. And even to this day, like if it's a brand that I love, I, I, I don't even, I don't like talking about money. Maybe it's like my finance side of things, but like, I don't like talking about money when I'm doing a job that I truly love. And like with this job, I love it so much. I wake up every single day, like excited to talk to different people like you, for example, um, all the business opportunities that are out there. So yeah, it gets me going. You know, it's so funny that you say that because I often get asked similar questions mm -hmm. um, by, you know, young aspiring physicians and surgeons and, you know, people who want to grow up and be plastic surgeons or skincare right. entrepreneurs. And in my early days, all of my best early cases I did for free. It yeah. was all pro bono work. When mm -hmm. I was right out of residency and fellowship, yeah. I was doing all of the cases that nobody wanted to do. I was working for free in the middle of the night doing emergency reconstructive surgery, yeah. you know, facial fractures, hand trauma, reconstructive mm -hmm. surgery for indigent and uninsured patients, um, you know, driving an hour in the middle of the night to, oh you know, Connecticut or downtown in New York or, you know, whichever hospitals where I was on call and taking care of the cases that honestly the more senior surgeons who had the luxury of choosing did not want to take and you know sometimes they were extremely complex cases where I was up all night right. um, and I wouldn't get paid any money but I would get paid in experience Absolutely. and I would get paid in the gratitude of the patients mm -hmm. and in beautiful beautiful outcomes and what you learn is that life is an n equals one kind of game mm -hmm. and 
if you have a great experience and you give someone else a great experience, whether it's a brand deal that you're really passionate about and you make beautiful photographs and do a great collaboration Mm -hmm. for free for somebody, or you do a beautiful reconstructive operation, you know, for somebody who really needs your help and, you know, people will find out about you Mm -hmm. and word of mouth will spread and that one person will tell a couple of their friends and those couple of friends will tell a couple more friends and you know they'll tell their doctor and that doctor may refer you some more patients and you know that's how I built my reputation and I think that people really underestimate the power of the hustle in doing little small things Mm -hmm. for the love of the game and I think that's what separates people who have heart from people who just like want it for all the wrong reasons yes you said it perfectly you want it you need it for the right reasons yeah Yeah. you've got to have heart in what you do Mm -hmm. right like of course everybody wants everything yeah right you want this that and the other you want to get compensated you want nice things and all of that but what you really truly want is not nice things you want to be happy and you want to feel fulfilled with what you do yeah and I think that's the biggest difference you know in finance I didn't feel fulfilled I was good at my job but did I necessarily feel fulfilled and saw myself doing this in the next 20 years and that was what came to me saying hey you know what maybe it's time for me to leave and try something that I would maybe feel a little more fulfillment and never in my in a million years did I think I would be making my finance salary doing what I do right now yeah but it makes it all the sweeter and all the better that you can do something that you actually really love Mm -hmm. you know you could be the exact same person with the exact same salary doing a job that doesn't fulfill you but would you be happy yeah exactly right How do you think your background in finance informs some of your choices um, as a creator? Do you think it helps you make better decisions in any way? Or do you think that it helps you think about it more rationally? Yeah, even though I say um, that I love my current job, I think if I had to do everything all over again, I would still do the exact same path that I did in finance because I learned so much from my experience from the all-nighters that I pulled in finance and all that. It still taught me, first of all, an amazing work ethic and also how to cooperate and collaborate with other people in the office, your coworkers, your bosses, different personalities. And I'm telling you, there are so many different personalities back in that industry. And also, lastly, you know, I was like the only female all all the time in different um, offices that I've been at and kind of being able to stand up for yourself in a way and finding a little bit of a twist in delivering um, your voice. So for example, like my last private equity firm, I was literally the only woman in the office and sometimes it, it gets a little tiring because everyone's always plugging with sports or the guys have their own side jokes and in the boardroom you feel like your voice doesn't matter like you definitely have those points but you really try to get creative in how to tell your story and why your opinion also matters and why a woman's opinion matters in a boardroom as well especially if you're talking about a lot of healthcare companies too um, and in that similar fashion you kind of in in what I do right now with glow with Ava I can talk about a high and learned acid serum, but 
you have to be able to get creative and telling your audience why this serum is better than another serum that is the same price you know so it's a lot of storytelling and a lot of creativity that goes into what we do right now and yeah people they think like you're just an influencer but like the amount of work and creativity and hustle that goes in behind this job in order to succeed and do what you like it's very underestimated yeah totally yeah. i think that there is nothing like being underestimated to give you a little character mm -hmm. i think i read somewhere that if you um succeed too quickly it goes to your head but if you succeed slowly it builds character oh my god so true and i think that that's really true i think succeeding slowly is kind of like the key to building character and yeah. it's it's funny because it can be really punishing at the time. Like, oh, yeah. Especially, I, I think what you said about being the only woman in a workplace is very poignant. In medicine, it's like that too, especially in yeah. surgery. You know, surgery for such a long time has been such a male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. um, and less and less so, like finance, yeah. you know, I think all of these fields are becoming much more equitable and much more representative. But um, it's a... It's a it's a tricky game that you have to play. It's a tightrope to walk, mm -hmm. yeah. but it gives you skills because it makes you able to walk into a boardroom, a courtroom, mm -hmm. a ballroom, a lion's <laughs> den. You know, you can walk into any room there is and you can figure out how to have some poise and say what you need to say. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. But I love the content that you make. How, do you ha how, what's your process like for brainstorming creative content? It's funny because I feel like, you know, my, my personality, I'm, I'm a Virgo, so I feel like I have everything organized and perfectionist. But when it comes to thinking of content, it just comes to me in the moment. And I also think that's why TikTok was a platform that I saw the most success with and kind of faster success versus Instagram because, you know, I'm not a very like camera ready person in a way where like I feel like Instagram it, it's kind of changed but three years ago five years ago Instagram was where you take the prettiest like perfect pictures you take like 150 takes and post the best picture on Instagram and you just have to look so like perfect in every way versus TikTok you are so carefree you roll out of bed and I'm like oh I just have this idea let me tell my followers about like this idea that I have or you know a new eye cream that I have and t show them in person oh this is how bad my dark circles are look at the transformative power of this eye cream so like very real time very like true to yourself in a way and I think that's what I love about the TikToks that I create because it's very like real time so yeah I don't really have that much planning that goes behind the content but if I have an idea then I'm the type of person where it's like I need to film this today tomorrow I need to get this done and then the editing comes the editing takes a little bit longer but in terms of like the content it's kind of like boom 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 yeah do you feel like there is a negative connotation with the term influencer no in the beginning in a way yes because especially when I first was starting this out or like quit finance and people were like what are you gonna do now and like well what's the right term i'm like yeah i'm technically an influencer and in a way i was honestly very self-conscious and ashamed by it and i didn't tell a single soul that i was doing this to the point where i would block my old co-workers so that they would never find out about my account i never really show my face on the feed because 
I don't know. I, I still can't really describe exactly why I felt like embarrassed or ashamed of doing this because maybe because there was a negative energy around being an influencer being like, look at me doing this kind of thing. But like, I'm not saying I'm different. I am still an influencer, but I like to think of myself as an influencer because I like to influence people. I influence different people to buy black sesame powder or black, buy another like lip plumper, like very different aspects. But if you influence another person to purchase something or change your behavior or go exercise, that's still a form of influencing. So that's just like how I define the term influencer. And when you start looking at it that way that you influence others, then it becomes easy. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's time for people to reclaim the term influencer because there was this sort of pejorative, negative Very connotation pejorative. Yeah. associated with the term influencer. And I even felt that way. Like I remember there was a time that um, Vogue put me on a list of like the top medical influencers. And I was uh -huh. like really honored because it was like, oh my God, Vogue, yay. Yeah. But then I was also a little bit self-conscious of it. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, am I not a, a serious plastic surgeon? I'm a board certified plastic surgeon. I'm a diplomat of the American board of plastic. I'm, you know, I'm this serious, I have gravitas. Why are they calling me an influencer? I get it, yeah. And I felt self-conscious of this, mm -hmm. but then, you know, I look back on this and WTF, this is nothing to be ashamed of. We need to reclaim this term. Being an influencer means that you have the authority to sway public opinion. Exactly. You have and the authority and you have to look at yourself as an authority. It means figure. that people look up to you, right? Yeah. It means that you have the ears and eyes of people around you. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because you're, you know, in some way relevant, right? You're adding some value. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite expressions that I've heard is that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, right? Very if you're true. not, if you're not saying something, if you're not adding value, then, then sit down. Yeah. And, um, it takes a lot of courage to create content and to try to add value to the conversation, whether your conversation is about food, skincare, politics, mm -hmm. religion, race, current events, surgery, medicine, science, whatever it is you care about. And I think that a lot of people are in the peanut gallery commenting, but not that many people, when you think about it, are out there putting themselves in it. And so yeah. I think it's a little bit annoying when people have the negative connotations associated with the term influencer. And it's a little bit anti-feminist because the, the reality mm -hmm. is a lot of the people who are front and center are women. That's right, and right. when people have that negative chirpiness about it, it's usually associated with and directed toward women. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, anyway, some of my thoughts. So I have a couple more questions for you. Do you have some advice that you would give to your younger self looking back on your journey? Because you've traveled all over the world. Mm -hmm. You continue to travel a lot. You've mm -hmm. lived in so many different places. You've merged many different cultural identities. You've worked in many different careers. What would you tell a younger version of Ava? You know, I'm in my I'm 30s now and I would tell even like 22 year old Ava, like, 
work hard, play hard. Work harder, play harder. Not that I didn't, I really did live up my 20s, I think. Um, but I think like every single experience you go through, whether good or bad, every single boy you even date, whether like it was a terrible relationship or not, I think that still adds to any experience that you can speak to and can also be eventually good advice that you can pass on to younger people. And you know, now I feel like I'm kind of more in a position where I give more advice to my younger audience, especially on Instagram and TikTok, not just skincare, but like, you know, career or life advice. And sometimes I'm like, I wish I did more, more than I did just besides just, you know, partying and drinking alcohol all the time, you know, do the random experience that I thought of doing, but never got to. So that's the only thing that I wish I did more of. Yeah. What, what do you have in store next? Next, keep doing TikTok, traveling a little bit more. Um, but you know, my dad's retiring this year. He's worked so hard. I haven't seen him in like almost three years at this point because of COVID. He lives in China. But after he retires this year, like all I want to do is to be able to give back to them and travel with them, have them come to the US. And you know, everyone on the internet, I feel like loves my mom more than me. So kind of get her more involved in my content. She's all about like the skincare, feeding your skin, you know, good nutrients with food and skincare and devices, all of that. So that's, that's the next step, getting my parents involved more. That's really amazing. I love that you're thinking about your family so much. Oh, they're my every, they're literally my everything. <laughs> that's so sweet. Mm -hmm. um, well, where can people find you? You can find me um, on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all with the same handle, Glow with Ava. I love that how it's kind of catchy. And you know, when I first thought of creating this account, I was contemplating what should I name it, and Glow with Ava just came. And I always thought I was gonna change the name because I was like, it's it's too cheesy, but I stuck to it, and I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Yeah. And um, last question for you what are three pieces of skincare advice you would give to our audience i would say these are three things that actually really changed my skin i've never had great skin growing up um, first thing is i don't use a cleanser in the morning i double cleanse at night and i only water cleanse in the morning for my sensitive skin and that's really really changed my skin second would be to wear sunscreen every day. Um, despite the fact that my mom was yelling at me to wear sunscreen every day growing up, I actually was a rebel and I did it until maybe age 25 was when I religiously started using sunscreen and boy, I saw a big difference. And lastly, what is it? Lastly would be to never let your skin be dry. So for example, you get out of the shower. I am misting within three seconds of getting out of the shower because I don't want any of that air to be gone. <laughs> Okay, I love it. Well, yeah. thank you so much for chatting with us. This is so fun to have so you. So fun. And I can't wait to see what you have in store for us next. Thank you.